Today on The Breakdown, we're doing a hand from a few years ago, but it's not just any hand. It's a hand from the biggest buy-in tournament of all time, people. That's right. $1.25 million just to play. This is a hand from pretty early on. It's day one. So everyone is deep. And we're going a little bit into the archives here. Andrew Pantling, you may remember him from way back when winning the EPT uh, Grand Final, I believe, many years ago. Uh, maybe finish second. Who can remember? Uh, anyway, he was an EPT reg for a long, long time on the high roller circuit, especially. He's up here playing against all these rich dudes, and he's going to go for value in an unconventional way, and we're going to see how it works out. We don't just have that, though. Not on this breakdown. We have Grant Dennison. We have Jonathan Levy. We may have a little talk about Phil Helmuth and his latest bad boy acting out. We're going to get into it all right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Hey. First, time, no First of all, way to be topical. Thank you. The bad boy acting out thing that yeah. occurred, you know, within a few days of recording this. Yes. Which is coming out a month after recording. I mean, what do you want me to do? It, I, I want to talk about it, and here's an opportunity yeah. to talk about it to the people. That's fair. That's fair. We will talk about that. Good. You said Andrew Pantling playing against a bunch of the rich guys. I think Andrew Pantling is one of the rich guys. He's one of the rich guys. I mean, he's definitely a decent player, and he played a lot of EPTs and stuff, and maybe even considers himself a pro. I'm not sure. But he certainly didn't make the money to buy into this tournament from poker, right? He has $4 million in career oh, earnings. Oh, for sure you're right about that. Yeah, so like that would be well over a quarter of his entire career earnings to buy into this tournament. He's uh, an heir to the Pants family. The Pantling. Like, <laughs> his family invented pants. Yeah. They have a lot of money. Well, I thought they invented Pantlings, which was the little known and not particularly well-received smaller version of Pants. And which is and why... You think, and you think he can afford to buy into this tournament based on well, a failed product? I mean, he did win. He did finish second. I just looked it up on the uh, EPT Grand Final in 2013 for $1.1 million. So that pays for almost the entire buy-in. That's pretty good. Great. He also uh, played in the million-dollar buy-in in 2016 in Monte Carlo, the one drop, and finished sixth for $1.6 million. Nice min cash there, dummy. So wasn't uh, that one <laughs> like you actually couldn't be a pro to play in it? I believe that's right. That kind of confirms his status. That's, that's true. I mean, yeah, he's a CEO type. Yeah. As you said. Not a CEO. He's an heir of big, pants. Big pants. Big pants. You said it was little pants. No, no, right. But I'm saying big pants is like big tobacco. I think you're confused about the history of pants <laughs> because it's it's really a semantic thing. You you just heard the word pantling and you yeah. assumed it meant small pants. And you're like, well, I haven't seen those around for a while. Right. So I guess that was a failed product. When in reality, back when pantlings were first invented, that's what they were called. Yeah. And over time, as, as the English languages want to do, we... Uh, we efficientized. We efficientized it. Yes, and made it pants. <laughs> uh, you know the word mutant has uh, slowly, slowly changed over time. You know the word gullible's not in the dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little different than what I did, though, isn't it? It's similar. Not really. Um, anyway, yeah, the the pants thing. Um, I don't know if you're <laughs> yeah, right. The pants thing. <laughs> It's hard for me to know how much of what you're saying is accurate or not. As I look it up on Wikipedia, I'm not getting a lot on that, but. Admittedly, Wikipedia is, you know... It's, uh, it's, it's an anti-pant It's lobby. apocryphal. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to know what we can trust there. And as I said, Big Pants is very powerful. Big Pants is what um, everyone calls Andrew Pantling's dad. Of course. Hey, it's Big Pants. Yeah. You know, they really might call him that, by the way, right? I hope they do. He probably gets a lot of jokes about this. 
Yeah, the Pantlings. That's a it's a funny name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you gonna do? He's uh, I think he's British, right? I think he's Canadian. I'm asking you, he is Canadian. I'm looking it up. He's Canadian. He's from Ontario, in fact. Oh well, they it must have been merciless and. In school in oh, Canada. Yeah. Those, those Canadians those are so Ontario rough. Ontario folk. They're so mean. Yeah. Ontario especially. It's so cold there. They got nothing to do except make fun of kids with dumb names. Like Andrew Pantley. Like Andrew Pantley. But Andrew Pantley doesn't care. He's won $4 million. He's made of money. And his family, you know, is behind Dockers, you know, Wranglers. All of them. Levi's. This is what they do. This is what they make you think there's competition yeah. between brands, but really Classic. it's all owned by the same people. You think Hulu and the Disney Channel are in competition? Sorry, sucker. They're the same thing. You it's like that. Idiots. Yeah. I can't believe the, all of the listeners didn't know that stuff. They're like, what? All right. Okay. What do you want to say about Phil Helmuth? Let's talk about Get this. it off your chest, all Levy. Right. So here's what happened. They were at the uh, seven-card stud final table at the World Series. Phil Helmuth, who ultimately busted in fourth place, was there. He was trying to win the 16th bracelet. And, you know, he lost some hands. I watched the hands that he lost because PokerGo put out a little compilation of him being upset. They were all completely reasonably played by his opponents, right? By the way, who cares if they weren't? But they were. So anyway, here's one thing that happened after he lost. Phil said, this motherfucker... By the way, I'm getting the tone right. I'm not, like, really changing it, right? This motherfucker, he peels the five of diamonds like it's nothing and makes a fucking flush. Nice fucking river, right? He then said many more F-bombs. I'm just going to read the stuff that's on Poker News, though. Then he stood up a little later and said, Goddamn motherfucker, as he smacked the table. Fucking punish me. He pops me on the fucking turn with a diamond draw and an ace. There's one ace left. How does he get rewarded for that bullshit fucking play? They fucking overplay their hands against me. That's why I win all these fucking tournaments. <laughs> on and on and on. He did this for a, a solid 10 minutes, according to Poker News. Then he said, here we go. So fucking unfair. I play like a fucking genius every fucking day. I think I'm going to burn this fucking place down if I don't win this fucking tournament. So, Yeah. So that happened. Then he said it again. Fucking burn this place down. It's a joke. Now, Helmuth later went on Twitter and said he didn't mean that. He apologized for it. He shouldn't have done that. Said everyone knew he was joking. I got to tell you, joking? watched it. Did not look like he was joking. Phil he did not, is... say, he did not say, this is a joke, which, by the way, in Twitter, he says, I said before I started that I was joking. He did not. That is not true. Has Phil Helmuth ever made a joke in his life? Like, he's never joking. He's always taking himself very seriously. So... Here's the thing I want to talk about. So that happened. This happens. Some version of this happens regularly with Phil, right? Yeah. Not necessarily threatening to commit arson. But doing something inappropriate in a tournament setting that affects other people or is just, like, extremely inappropriate. Let's go. I want to go a little far. I think this is actually, maybe this is too far. For, like, Anthony Zeno, who's won, like, WPT Player of the Year, knows Phil well, apparently. According to him and according to Phil, was not bothered by this. Mm -hmm. Is that true? I don't actually know, but this is what they're both saying. Um, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it too. I don't think I would be bothered by it. Like, I think so. I would be amused by it and be trying to make him do it more, but I think a lot of people are deeply upset by this when he does this. I'm sure there are players, especially amateurs, when he does this kind of shit. And yeah, because he, he does do it to amateurs. But probably pros too. Not every pro has got their emotional fucking things put together. Sure. Think about how many pros are degenerate gamblers who are like we're just trying to feel something. Like, I mean, that's fair, but I think <laughs> pros should be able to handle this type of thing. They should. But I don't think the World Series should allow any of this. Well, I don't think they should allow the 
burning down the building remark. Well, that's yeah. crazy. And yeah. he should be, honestly, he should be banned for the entire World Series from, from when, when he does that and does that so intensely and so seriously for this year. Yeah. Not forever, but for this no, year. Nothing besides, be nothing besides the burning down the building thing would lead me to think anything close to that, though. I agree. Besides, but this other behavior, I would like, I would penalize him for this other behavior, too. I think this other behavior is emotional abuse on people, and I don't think it should be allowed. And I can't believe the World Series allows it because sort of in the service of he's famous and he makes good TV and this is good TV. I disagree. This is bad TV. Phil Hummuth can be entertaining. He's usually entertaining when he's getting picked on by Tony G. Yeah. And like, I guess everyone else is so fucking boring in poker that there's nothing else interesting to look at. So we watch Phil Hummuth blow up and we have that. Like, that's the entertaining thing. But like, that's about how bad poker is, not how interesting Phil is. We Phil need, is not interesting when he just says fucking 12 We times need Stephen Chidwick to develop a, an at the table persona yes. where he like wears a clown hat or something. I mean, look, Tom Dwan's interesting. Yeah. Right? Like, just put Tom Dwan. He's not a dick. Right. Like, it's possible to do this. Phil Phil Locke is interesting. Yeah, Daniel Negreanu is even interesting. And Daniel Negreanu, except when he has some issues, sometimes. he has some issues too. It's true. But often when he's live, when he's in a live setting, he's actually very sweet, almost yeah. always, right? Um, so, but yes, he does have his own set of issues. That's fair. I sort of am shocked and upset. I'm upset by the World Series allowing this kind of behavior to go on for so long. And and yesterday was an, or whenever this was an egregious example of this stuff. It was two days ago, actually, just egregious, and that they. They allow it and sort of don't blink even. And now they're starting to say, well, maybe we're going to do something because this is, this is a big one. This one went so viral. But they were right there when this happened. They did nothing. Yeah. That's, I mean, they have to take care of their players a little bit more. Phil is saying he's going to kill everyone in the building. I don't think anyone thinks he's going to do it. But, you know, shit goes down nowadays in the world, right? There right. are active shooters. You can't just act like this is fucking fine. I, I got problems with this. I, I, I mostly agree with you. I may be being a little over. I may be overacting slightly, I'll admit. But yeah. I think you are. Yeah, I think I am too. I think you're overreacting, but I do think that Phil Hummuth, as I've always said, is not my favorite. Yeah, you hate him. And you always pretend that I'm the guy who hates Phil Hummuth, and then this type, type of thing happens, and then you go <laughs> off on your fucking rants. Phil Hummuth should be chained up. No, uh, seriously, though, I, I absolutely think he should be banned for the season, for, the, for this World Series of Poker season. Um, I don't expect them to do anything to him, but he should also be, if they weren't going to ban him, I think they should do other things like... I can't believe they don't make him sit out like around an orbit every time he s- fucking swears intensely at people. Yeah, I mean it's and tells them how stupid they are. Like yeah. I can't fucking believe they. You're let not. That. A, it's written in the World Series of Poker rules that you're not allowed to abuse other players. Right. He constantly abuses. Yeah. Them. So he should absolutely be forced to sit out in orbit each time he is abusive in this way. I agree with that. I'm gonna. You know what? When eventually we we start playing in the World Series again, which I think will probably happen next year. Yeah. So. Phil's at my table. He does any of this shit to me or anyone else. I'm calling the floor on him. Sure. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to request a penalty. And I'm doing... This is like my new thing. I'm doing that from now on. That's, Fuck that guy. I mean... Okay. May I please say a piece yeah, so, while, you, while you relax? Sorry. I got, um, a little, I got a little excited. One, you dislike Phil Hummuth more than I dislike Phil Hummuth now. This is official. Two. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you always have, and you just won't admit it. That's basically kind of... I don't of, think that's true, but go on. Uh, I've always felt him to be uh, rude person who is like unnecessarily mean to people including staff type people like dealers and stuff and that's always really pissed me off mm-hmm. this is a, this is mostly a continuation of that so it doesn't really change my opinion on phil in any way i didn't need any more evidence to think that phil Hamuth was not a good person yeah. i know we had the d- debate of the semantics of not a good person about sure. phil Hamuth before sure i'm gonna stand by like he's bottom quarter that's okay. what, that's where i'm going i'm with. i can't really fight it so much yeah. anymore um you couldn't before you just need you you you, Mr. Anti-Recency Bias is full of it over here, Jonathan Levy. <laughs> um, 
I do think that there should be a, an increasing penalty each time he's yes. abusive to a player. Like yes. first it's uh, an orbit, then maybe it's two orbits, and then maybe it's uh, an entire blind level. And then like maybe that. a tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is if he continues to be abusive, because this this rises to the level of significant abuse of a player to t- talk about players like this and act like such an asshole. Um, beyond that, the the burning down the building thing. I know it's very easy to say, of course he's not actually going to do it. Yeah, but there's a reason you can't say bomb in an airport. There's an actual reason for that, and and it's it feels like extremely stupid sometimes. It's a joke to t- like don't say bomb in an airport, but there's a reason for it because there are actual threats in the world that involve these things. Philhamuth threatening to burn down a building in as you kind of mentioned at least somewhat an historically dangerous time for these types of events that happen more frequently it's than not they ideal, are. Right? Yeah, like if this was not Philhamuth, it was somebody that the World Series of Poker had never seen before the police might be present, you know? Like, there's yes. a threat that the building is perhaps going to be attacked. I know? actually think if this was a nobody, if this was you or me, yeah. which we are, compared to Phil Helmuth, obviously nobody's of course. in the poker world. And we had done, we had said those words in those tone, we would, we would probably be arrested. It would not surprise me at all. We'd at least called, be questioned. Well, okay, we, fair enough. We, yeah. The police would be called, we'd be questioned, it'd be a whole thing, we'd probably be kicked out of the tournament. Yeah. Nothing happened to Phil at all. Right. Now, maybe it's going to because of the uproar, but... How are they not on top of that already? Yeah. It's, it's shocking to me that they allow this stuff to happen. It really is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it, you can't give preferential preferential treatment on stuff that's like a public safety threat policy type stuff. Even beyond that, though, all the abuse stuff too. The whole thing is really really insane that this is allowed to happen. You know, there are other examples of the World Series letting stuff letting people get away with stuff. Uh, one of them is Dan Negreanu. Yeah. Back when he went, he had his big deep run, and him and Justin Schwartz were at the same table. And there are multiple examples of Negreanu talking about a hand right. with multiple players in the hand, not just heads up. Um, sometimes he was in them, sometimes he wasn't. I think he usually was in the hand, but trying to—I think he was in the hand and trying to actually manipulate people. Mm-hmm. Like all the th- reasons why you're not supposed to talk three-handed, he was doing it, and they just let him do it. It was on TV. They just let him do it. And Justin Schwartz. Eventually started talking in, in the yeah. his hands, which I got really upset about, which was fair, too. Yeah. Because, I mean, Schwartz wasn't even in the hand, but still. And Schwartz's point was, you've been doing it the whole time. Yeah. Like, how can you call the floor on me now? Like, Schwartz, I mean, he was sort of saying, like, two wrongs make a right here. Right. But, but still, his point was taken I, to me, but I think most of the world just saw that Schwartz as a dick. Yes. Which, which is kind of a shame. Phil Helmuth, a few years ago in the main event, was in a three-way pot where he bet and a guy went all in, and while the other dude was thinking, he made it very clear he was going to fold by his speech mm-hmm. and affected things. And then, so then that guy called in a marginal spot. Now, maybe the guy was always calling anyway, but he called in a relatively marginal spot, if I recall, with a flush draw, because um, he knew Phil was folding. And then he got there and beat the other dude. Maybe he made a pair, whatever it was. But he got there and beat the other dude, and the dude got knocked out. I mean, Phil eventually apologized because there was a huge thing, and Phil, I think, said he was going to buy the guy into the main event the next day, but yeah. it was day three of the main event. Like, you can't, you can't get the guy back to day three. No, you, you can only get him back to day one, level one. That's really different. That's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like 80% of the field's gone on right. day three. Like, can you get, if you can't get him there, you've stolen some of his equity, some of his EV. I don't know how much. Maybe the guy's always calling in the end. But, like, these are deeply irresponsible things for these top-level pros to be doing. And really, I say, I'm including Negrano. Negrano's thing was, like, a long time ago, and he hasn't done anything like that since. Yeah. It's, maybe it's not fair at all to be, even be including him in this. For Phil to still be like this, it's, it's outrageous. Well, part of it is that he's enabled by the powers that be, right? He clearly is. Yeah. He clearly is. I mean, all he does is get basically paid more and be told, like, we want you on our show. Yeah. Because, yeah. And the truth is, he is an entertaining watch, partially because everyone else is not right. an entertaining watch, which 
is part of the bigger problem with poker. But it's not that he's entertaining. It's just that he's more entertaining than the absolute duds that make up almost all of poker players, ourselves included, when we're He's playing. something other than a <clears throat> solver bot in a, yes. human, in a human body. Yeah. Yeah, when I say absolute duds, I only mean like... Pers- Personality when you're at the table. I don't yes. mean. I don't mean in terms of what kind of person. Right, and that's Jake Schindler. Is. Jake Schindler, I'm sure, is a really cool guy. It's obviously strategic, right? Yeah, you know, like Stephen Chidwick. I have no. I, I don't even know what his voice sounds like. I think right. because he's so quiet and his demeanor is so boring at the table. But that's intentional, of course. Right. I it's mean, not to say he's a boring person. I've had dinner with some of these guys, you know, in my life. I've had dinner with Justin Bonomo, and like he's a super nice guy, really friendly. But you know, he's just a normal bot at the at the table, which is to his advantage. But it's not good for poker. Yeah. And so here we are. We're left enabling like an abusive asshole. It sucks. Right. It sucks. It does. He's definitely abusive. Anyway, I just want to get that off my chest. All right. It'll be another year and a half and we'll have this like sometime in between. I'll, we'll do a Helmuth hand and I will say something disparaging of Helmuth. You'll be like, you hate Helmuth. Yeah, that's going to happen. And like the, he's just, he's not that bad. Yeah. It's true. And then something will happen that he does and you'll be like, I want him to go to jail for the rest of his life. I despise him more than anything. Yeah. And, yeah. and to be really clear, I, even though we're saying like Phil saying these things is not great in, within the context of society right now and like, I don't believe Phil has, like, Phil has it in him to do anything violent like that. I, I want to be super clear about that. But not everyone necessarily knows that at the table. It's more about policy than it is about that. You can't, you can't have preferential treatment. Well, that also, I think that's a really big point. I think also, though, like, I don't know how everyone else at the table or who's around is feeling when he's, the dealer's forced to stay there, the players are forced to stay there. They may not know that about Phil the way we believe. They may not believe those things about Phil. And we don't actually know it. We don't know it. Yeah. Um, but they may feel like they are actually in jeopardy, and that will affect their game. That may affect how they play. That may affect their decision-making. That may affect if they want to ever play at the World Series again. Like, this stuff matters to me. Well, I, think should, I think it matters to them, too. I think whether or not it's um, all of that stuff aside, like, this type of abuse, even of pros, is not necessarily good for the game no. because it might be entertaining to some people who are watching who are amateurs, but also might be intimidating. They might assume that more people are like Phil Helmuth who play poker than actually are. And they're like, hey, if I go play at the World Series, somebody's going to call me a piece of shit for calling on the turn with top pair, you know, I'm- like... Phil is also a guy who is like, you know, among the most on TV guys, yeah. right? And the most like goes viral with clips like this one. And he's a model for all the amateur poker players in the world. And of course, they're going to act more like this when they see Phil Helmuth acting like this. Yeah. Of course, they are. And they do. Like, you see, not a lot, but if you're playing in a 1 2 game or a 5 5 game, there's often a guy who's sort of like this, yeah. you know? And I don't know if they're all, I don't think there always was. Well, I don't know. One ninth of the population might be like this. Well, but they're, they're given more, um, leeway to act to actually act this way because they see a famous poker player doing it yes you know and in fact getting often celebrated and paid to do it it's it the whole thing is fucking bananas anyway anyway that's that glad we did that okay let's move on to this hand yeah so if you guys didn't like any of that maybe we should put a timestamp in for people who just skip the fell home with rent yeah good luck remembering that um (laughs) it's at 1840 all right andrew pantling of the pant dynasty yes Seems like a nice guy, so that's a good breath of fresh air. Hallelujah. Yeah, good for, good for him. Uh, he's going to play this hand, which was suggested by Rocky Falcoa. Love that name. It's a great name. Rocky suggested on Twitter. You can suggest on Twitter, but you know where you might want to in the future would where? be Discord. Uh-oh. We have a Discord server. It's relatively new. It's a lot of fun. There's a link in the description of this podcast that will take you to our Discord server. Um, once you join, you're a member of the Poker Guys community, effectively. We have... A, a fun community where we 
do general poker talk. This Helmu thing is actually being discussed on the Discord right now. Um, we have a place for your hands. You can put hands in there. People will review them. We have a lot of action on that thread. It's a lot of fun to go in there, analyze people's hands, and you know, bring your own hands. We, of course, have threads for each video and podcast that we do. So we, you can talk about this, our analysis, your analysis, if you think we're right, we're wrong, anything we missed, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's just a fun place to be. Yeah. You can also suggest hands there, of course. Of course. So do it. Do it. Get in the Discord. And, of course, another element of the Discord that's nice in those threads is the solver work, because we will have solver work done by Danny Sprung on this hand. We haven't seen it yet. We'll see it after we do this podcast, but we will then come back and put a little end piece on where we talk about the solver work. We're just going to talk about the main pieces. Danny will post his entire work in the thread so you can see everything about the solver, everything I had to say about this hand. It's a cool resource, fun. Yeah. Join the Discord. Do it. All right, here we go. Early on in this thing, we're not in any sort of ICM consideration except that, you know, we all just put up $1.25 million, so we're all freaking out. (laughs) Uh, Although all these guys pretty much are pretty rich or really well-backed, I would guess. Yeah, I would think it's. I got, mean, it's got to be one of those two, doesn't it? I guess Bryn Kenny was out in a limb, right? He he bought himself into this thing. He said he put up like a third of his of his life role, basically yeah. to do it. Yeah. So I guess not everybody's feeling super comfortable, but maybe he doesn't mind that. Maybe he's okay. I mean, that. since he did it, I guess he's okay doing it, right? Like he, he and in fairness to him, it's one point two five million, which means he still has two and a half million bucks left, which isn't. A huge amount of money, but it's pretty good. It's a, it's a decent amount of money, but if you're willing to put up a third of your life roll, that $2.5 million might not go that far. Well, I would hope he would then exercise better bankroll judgment if he did not cash in this event. That seems likely. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Yeah. He did cash. So lucky, sure lucky Burn Kenny. He cashed big time. Yeah. All right. Anyway. 5K big blind level. Andrew Pantling. He's on the button. He's got $1.4 million, so almost 300 bigs. Yeah. We're deep. Deep. Uh, it's early. Yep. He's got Queen Jack of Hearts, pretty clear open at 12K. Yes. All right. The, the player he's going to be playing against, we could not really find anything about online. We don't know anything Zero. about him. We assume he is a wealthy Chinese businessman, yep. um, which was like a pretty significant portion of this tournament's population. Mm-hmm. Um, Chow Hing Yang is his name. If anybody knows anything about him, let us know in the Discord. be interesting to know. My sister dated his, uh, his hairstylist. Who, who are you being? Um, someone who knows something about Chow Hing Yang. That was Alex Trumbath. You oh. were, that was a perfect Alex Trumbath. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't even know I was doing Alex when I did I was. I thought I was just doing a you just generic... Do, you just do Trumbath so often that you just kind of fall into it. Trumbath has become like my generic uh, like voice in my head for everything, not just Poker Guys related. Stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. That makes sense. What would Alex Trumbath say? Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like perfect. Yeah. You're so good at it, too. Thanks. Anyway, Chow Hing Yang, he's got 610K, so significantly less than Pantling, but still over 100 bigs. He's in the small blind. I'm pretty sure Jonathan Levy's going to hate this decision. He's going to flat the ace of clubs, 10 of diamonds. I don't really hate it. It's not, they're, they're 120 blinds deep effective. So we're deep enough that it's okay. I think we can make a call here. I think it's fine to three bet, but I think it's fine to call. Yeah, I agree. If we're, if we're 60 blinds deep, I like a three bet way more um, than, than I like it here. You know, like there's not as much to win. We're, we're more trying to win big pots. This hand's a little too good to fold. I think it's okay to call. It's way too good to fold. Talking about a little good, yeah. too good to fold. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm typically going to three bet this, though, when a player of yeah. with any moves at all opens the button. I think that's fine to three bet. One of the good things about just calling is we keep aces, worse aces in. 
Yes. You know, which is kind of cool with this hand where like an ace flops, which isn't going to happen that often, but when it happens, we can get really nice value. We're never getting three streets, though. We're getting two solid streets. Yeah. Like, we're going to get a nice chunky riverbed in there a lot. I mean, uh, overall, it's, it's just fine to mitigate variance and not put in a huge three bet and be out of position. Yeah. I yeah. agree. I agree, certainly. It's fine to three bet. I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. But, you know, I think what, what we see a lot, which I think is more of the mistake, is when later in tournaments where it's like people are 40, 30 blinds deep effective and they're calling with this hand in the small blind. That's where it feels like a much bigger mistake from a button open. Yeah, I mean... And, and the, the blinds, the pots are worth so much more to win. I mostly agree. I think it really depends on the field. Oh, that's fair. If, if you're in a pretty weak field, I think you can call. But, you know, that's another discussion. Yeah. The big blind is Richard Young. He's going to fold. That must have been a pretty bad hand. I don't think we even got to see it on the screen. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's a pretty good price he's getting there. Well, wait till he sees this flop. He's going to pull all his hair out. He could have a nine. 34K in the pot. Flop is four of spades, nine of hearts, nine of clubs. Well... Have you looked at Richard Young lately? He looks nine-like. No hair is what I'm saying. Oh. So he did pull all his hair so out. So before this, he had like just flowing like Elvis hair. I mean, look at the video. What does okay, he look hold like? Hold on. Hold on. He looks like Elvis. Yeah. And then after the flop. Oh. <laughs> now he looks like Lex Luthor. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. But before he lost his hair. Lex Luthor before he lost his hair. Yeah. Because he hasn't pulled his hair out yet. Right. But he looks like he's going to soon. <laughs> he's got that diabolical look in his eyes, like Lex Luthor. Yeah. It's perfect. Like, uh, like Jesse Eisenberg. All right. So. Right. The flop is four of spades, nine of hearts, nine of clubs again. Ace high, usually still good against the button range. Yes. Um, Pantling does have two back doors because the nine of hearts is out there. Chow checks. Yep. Do you think Pantling should bet this all the time? Um, yeah, pretty much. I guess if we could have a few... Like, what hand would we not want to bet? Let's think about this. Like, even pocket eights, we just want to bet to deny equity. I think we want to bet most hands. Um, You know, my concern is the small blind calling range is is not going to have too many folds here. So It's got, like, king-queen and stuff. A lot of king-queen. A lot of some medium pocket pairs, too, right? A lot of sixes. Yeah. And a lot of ace highs, you might think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, like, having the two back doors makes it, Easier to bet because there is a lot, there's a lot more turn cards that feel good to continue on. Yeah, I think, I think we have to have the two back doors to want to bet this. So you think That's if fair. if you had Queen Jack of uh, hmm. Heart, or not Hearts, of Diamonds. No. How about just Offsuit? Yeah, sure. Queen Jack Offsuit, you think it's a check? Jeez, we're going to have so many checks now. I just, we just by, If that's true, if we need to have two back doors to be able to bet, or, or a pair or something like that, now suddenly we have a million checks. We have too many checks. On this board. I feel like we should mostly be betting this. Would board. you rather check this hand back or four or five of no back doors? I would rather check four or five of no back doors. Just because it's worse? Um, well, it's a, it can induce bluffs. That hand induces bluffs. This hand doesn't. So checking, like, more good things can happen. Um, of course, we are giving free cards to over cards a lot. But also, we're losing you know, yeah. all the pocket pairs. And we're losing either way. But we don't have as much uh, good things happen when we're losing. Yeah. Um, we have a lot, as you said, we have a lot of good cards we can barrel on, including making top pair. Mm-hmm. But also, obviously, any 10, any king, any 8, any heart is reasonable for us to continue on to. All right, what about 6-7 of no back doors? Ooh. Or this hand? Boy, I just want to, like, that feels like one of the worst hands we ever have. Yeah. I just want to, like, check back and just never give put up. another chip, on, chip in. Yeah, we got to have some of those. This, that feels like a hand we could do that with. What do you think? Sure. 
Sometimes we'll turn an eight and actually have something, or a six or a seven, which is kind of cool. But are you betting all of your ace highs for equity denial? Yeah. Also, because like you said, we're getting called a lot by even the like the the king queens of the world. Yeah. So we could we could deny equity plus also even get some value. Yeah. I mean, mostly we're going to play a small pot here, right? Like on this on this board, if we get called, if we bet and get called, we're probably not going to put it. Once in a while, with this hand, we can turn like a, a good card, like the seven of hearts or something, and now like okay, we have overs and a flush draw, we can bet again. Yeah. Know? But mostly we're going to be checking a lot of turns. But yeah, I mean, sizing matters too here. Like you know, if we size it small enough, king queen's going to call. If we size it big enough, king queen isn't going to call. We should at least consider that piece. Yeah. Seems like Pantling maybe did. He bets 20K into 34K. Yeah, there that'll, you go. That'll probably get King Queen. King Queen unsuited will fold. I think it probably will. So maybe that's, maybe that's with cool. the backdoor flush draw, you get the call still, but you block one of the backdoor flush draws, so there's only two. It sort of sucks. You're out of position with King Queen. You could be drawing nearly dead or dead. I yeah. mean, or near, I guess not dead, but yeah. almost dead, unless the guy's quads. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, like. That that's good. I like the sizing specifically to fold out hands like that, which is what it feels like is going on. Jack ten, king queen, whatever. Yep. What about ace ten? That's that's too good to fold. It feels right? like it's too good. We're gonna have to call at least once. Ever raising with ace ten? Interesting question. We don't have that many super strong hands here, right? We've got we do have some trip nines. We probably have nine ten suited and eight nine suited. Yep. We probably have ace nine suited. Probably have four is full. Yep. But that's it, right? Yeah. Not too much. Now. There aren't really any obvious bluffs. So maybe we want to, we probably want to have a few bluffs if we're going to have a few raises. Yeah, but this, is, wouldn't be one this of isn't them. one of them. You, you'd want to have, yeah, you'd want to have like Jack 10 of backdoor. Or you want to have like cards that have no chance of really doing anything, like that aren't necessarily going to be good and can't really improve super well. You sure. Know, like, like a trashy hand. That's another thing. But Ace 10 feels like it could be the best hand and it can improve to the best hand. So yeah. why would I want to raise that? It feels like a pretty clear call. It does. That's what Chow does. He calls. Okay. You should call your who? Your who uh, call? your eye doctor. How about Ghostbusters? Call the eye doctor because you won't believe what you see on Nitrogen Sports. You won't believe it. You'll be like, I you know what? I gotta get this shit checked out. Like there's huh. something going on. I'm, do I have glaucoma? Is that what's going on? It does affect more than twenty percent of uh, Americans sixty five and older. So if you're one of those or anybody else in the world, <laughs> you might think is okay. I'm not at the in the major age range and risk group for glaucoma, so it's probably astigmatism. Then that's probably what's going on with me because it can't be that Nitrogen Sports is actually putting in forty percent or more of the prize pool every month in this tournament. That my eyes must be deceiving me. <laughs> I got to go look at these letters that get increasingly smaller and smaller until the doctor says I I read it wrong and find out what kind of new prescription I need. I hope I hope that I've already met my deductible. Like, this is upsetting. This is some now-you-see-me kind of crazy shit. <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg showing up once again in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't even know. They're passing that card around, you know, like it's nothing, it yeah. seems like. How is this happening? They just turned into money again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the point being, <laughs> there is this incredible overlay yeah. that might make you question your vision, but... Don't worry. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to look up if you have a copay left or anything or like a deductible left. You don't have to worry about that stuff because it's real. It's there. It's every month. They just give the money away. It's great. It's great. It's Bitcoin only, you know. Sports betting casino games. Those things happen. If you bank anything, you know, you get it fast if you want it. 90 minutes or less. They don't mess around with your money. Not like those damn ophthalmologists. Yeah, you never get your money in time. Yeah, when, when they owe you Bitcoin, 
How likely are you to get it? I mean, you may get it eventually, but it's going to take a while. Yeah. At best. Right. They don't, I mean, like, they're just like using Coinbase. Fucking ophthalmologist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nitrogen sports. No doctors needed. It's fine. It's fine. Just get in there, get you some poker. Use the link in the description or else you don't even get access to that tournament. Did I say that part? It's kind I don't, of, I don't it's kind of important. Who, who has any clue what you said? I mean, it's just, <laughs> that was this is an unusual one, even for us. That I'll, was a weird one. I had fun with it. No, you did. You did. I liked it was it. funny. I kept I kept forgetting what it's not ophthalmologist it's optometrist that's what I that's what I kept messing up what is an ophthalmologist I think they also do stuff with the eyes are you just saying that no okay I mean the Latin root would suggest that There's, yeah I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you're gonna look it up is it possible my grandfather was an ophthalmologist <laughs> it certainly is he may have been I'll look it up while you do whatever you're gonna I was do. going with optometrist optometrist seems more correct well yeah that that's pretty clear yeah uh, you know an ophthalmologist. Uh, the, uh, they're doctors who examine, diagnose, and treat patients' eyes. No, that's an optometrist. An ophthalmologist <laughs> is a medical doctor who, perto- who performs medical and surgical treatments for eye conditions. So it is eye-related. It is, but it's, you don't go to the So you will store. never actually end up having to go to the ophthalmologist right. because the optometrist okay. will tell you, guess what? Nitrogen sports really is that great. Yeah, that's right. They'll be like, I don't have to look at your eyes to know that. Yeah. Everyone knows that. They'll be like, is this another nitrogen sports thing? <laughs> Get out of my lobby. <laughs> You're dead. Take it up space. That'll be $85. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to make an appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 74000 in the pot here. Right. Andrew Pantling has Queen Jack of Hearts having bet the flop as the preflop aggressor on the 994 Rainbow One Heart board. Uh, Chow Hing Yang has called with Ace 10 off. No back doors. Turn is the Queen of Spades. Good job, Andrew. You did it. Yeah. I guess, I guess it's just nice to be privileged, huh? Just like, ah, pant dynasty, ah, turn a queen, eh, no problem. It's good to turn a queen sometimes. It's good to have a pant dynasty. It's better to have a pant dynasty, obviously. You get to buy into these tournaments. Sure. Yeah. But he does turn the queen. Mm-hmm. Is there any betting for Chow? Or is it just like, oh, this is kind of a bad card. I'm in check fold mode. I think that's exactly what, what it is. I'd be really, it's really weird to bet. Um, and I don't know why, we, why we'd ever want to call another bet. Yeah. So I just want to check fold. This queen is awful. It is a very bad card. It he does check. Yeah. But so does the pants dynasty man. Whoa. Well, I guess the nines are paired and he doesn't want to get himself in any real trouble. He's losing the king queen. I mean, there's not a whole lot here. He's all he's, ace, queen. He has correctly identified that an ace should be like any ace highs that called him on the flop should be folding on this card. Pocket sixes might be folding on this card, you know? Yeah, they might. Uh so I'm if he sure thinks if... he's gonna fold out all of those hands, yeah. it makes sense to check, right? Um, yeah, that, that does make sense. Uh, you know, it depends on how sticky your opponent is, and we're playing in a rich guy field, so they may be a little stickier. All right, but let's assume for a second. Let's not, like, cast any assumptions upon these players as far as that and make decisions based solely on that, though, right? Not solely, but I'm saying that we, that may, that we may then want to lean a little more in a particular direction as a result. True. Like, the field is probably going to be more of a calling station as a, in, in general, for this one point, and not Bryn Kenny, but all these types of guys, yeah. right? So we should be betting for value more and bluffing less. Okay. Maybe true as a blanket statement, but in this case, it may, this may be one of the spots where it makes sense still to check because the ace highs are certainly going to consider folding. I would expect they would. And all the pocket pairs that are here, which are mostly eights and lower, yeah. are certainly going to be considering folding. They're going to consider folding. Pocket eights and lower, the pocket pairs may call, I assume all the ace highs are folding. Yeah. That's, that's, that would be my guess. I would think the pocket pairs are folding with a pretty high frequency, too. It's a, it's a bad card. It's a bad card. 
I don't know if they're folding or not. I mean, it's the only bad card, though. Like, the nines aren't a problem, really. I, I, I guess that's not necessarily true, right? Pantling could have absolutely opened with a nine in his hand. Yeah. Um, like, what, what, are, what are Pantling's bluffs on the turn, I guess? Because mm. if, he, if he bets again, because, like... I mean, Jack-10 is the obvious one, right? Jack-10 is the obvious one. Um, beyond that is just, like... Spades. He's turning an ace into a bluff. He has spades on the turn. Which spades? Which spades? Oh, okay, good question. Um... He has like, well, I guess it can't be King Jack of Spades, King Six of Spades, King Seven of Spades, hands like a- that. Ace X of Spades. Do you think he's betting the Ace X of Spades in the turn, or I think if he bets the flop and turns the nut flush draw, he is betting it. Okay, maybe. I think mostly that's what these guys are doing. So a lot of things that have decent equity against us, anyway. Correct. Yeah. Yes, that's a good point. We don't have a very good hand. When you say decent equity against us, you're talking about having pocket, Ace Ten. I'm, ha- oh, I'm talking pairs. about even if they have pocket pairs. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. So it's it's often overs plus. Yeah, yeah. Like Ace Ten might have better equity against the range than pocket eights, maybe because the Ace might get you a win instead of a loss. You know. Hmm. Um. This is fair. These are all fair points. Yeah. So I think this might all be why Pantling ultimately checks back. Yeah. I mean, often when the board is paired. And you make one pair on the turn, you check it back, right? right. After, after they called the flop. That's, that's pretty standard stuff. Pretty simple principle that, like, well, my value is all, like, nines plus. I'm probably not betting an over pair again right. that often. Why would right. I bet this hand if I'm not betting an over you pair? You don't want to get blown off the hand. Yeah. You bluff catch really well. You can get, if you're going to get only one more street of value, often it's going to come out better on the river, especially on a more non-dynamic board. Board got a little dynamic yeah. on the turn, but... It isn't wildly so, right? It's kind of a relativity bias to assume that you would bet this hand a lot and, and check and overpair a lot, right? Agreed. Because the hand got relatively better more recently. Yeah, no, I, I think that would be a mistake. For yeah. sure. If anything, we'd want to bet the overpairs more than this because our opponent can have, could have hit a queen. I mean, not, we see. Not, yes. not usually. Have to have, what, ace-queen? Uh, maybe maybe king-queen with the back door. Maybe king-queen with the back door. But you're right. It's not a whole lot there. Maybe yeah. queen-jack with the back door, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. yeah. Queen ten with the back. Anyway, I think I like the check by Pantling. Yeah, I like it too. Also, when you're this deep in these tournaments, you're not trying to play really big pots without having really big hands. Yeah. Mostly, right? Mostly, you're trying to win small pots and just pick up little marginal, you know, edges here and there until a big thing. Until you get to exercise your big edge on someone where they make a big mistake, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you're looking for. So, this is not that spot. This is a check back because we can capture value on the river a lot, and there's no our opponent can't make a huge mistake if we bet here. Right. Um, it kind of feels like the solver is going to really hate this check by paneling. Like, it wouldn't surprise me. Because if, if the solver has bluffs, it's like, well, if we're going to continue with stuff, yeah. this is one of the better hands to continue with, right? right. So I agree. I'm guessing the solver's going to be like, come on, man. Fucking bet, bro. Yeah. Like that. Sean Winter would do it. Well, if Sean Winter would do it, then. The solver would do it. The solver, solver actually is just Sol- Sean Winter. This is the same thing. That's, Sean Winter's nickname is the solver, right? Yeah. Because... And he does all the, all the com- computational work. He just is the guy, like, answering. For him, it's just like a Q&A all the time. Right, right. It's a constant AMA for Sean Winter. <laughs> but the AMA is input ranges and hands. Yes. And I'll, it's fun. I'll it's give you super a, fun. an output. Yeah. He loves that. It's great for him. Don't feed him. He just, he's fine. Yeah, he doesn't need food. Sean Winter. All right. Check, check. Right. 74K in the pot still. Board is four of spades, nine of hearts, nine of clubs, queen of spades. The river is the ten of hearts, so Chow makes second pair top kicker. Yep. Is this worth a bet? What are we trying to get value of if we bet? We're trying to get value from like pocket eights. Pocket eights, maybe ace-king type hands? Yes. 
Ace King feels like the worst hand we could get value from, and I'm not sure if we could. Yeah, but maybe we could. Yeah, it feels like mostly pocket pairs. We're we're looking to get would by. pocket fives call. Let's start there. It, what bluffs are they putting us on? It's tough to put us on a bluff. I don't know. I mean, I think what we have is the kind of hand that we do just that doesn't make a pair, right? We yeah. have ace, jack, I guess. That we're not going to play for it showdown value for some reason? Right. Why not? We think we win a lot, yeah. right? Like, he, all he did, he C-bet once, and it went check-check on the turn. It's often going to go check-check on the river, and we yeah. turn over a better ace or yeah. whatever. It's not yeah. a big pot that, like, somebody's going to really fight hard for. You can do that with an, an ace high. Yeah. So it, doesn't, so it doesn't feel like there's a lot of bluffs here. Yeah. So then why would fives call? Can't really come up with a reason. Eights could call because they think maybe they're ahead of pocket sevens that's trying to get called by slightly worse pocket. That's sort of the same thing, yeah. except we're beating a little bit of that. But that's just the one hand. Well, that might be Chow's thought process yeah. because he bets 20K into 74K. He's, so he's like begging yeah. for a call from a... Like he understands that his hand isn't that good uh, to, as a value hand. So he's like, maybe I can get value from a weaker hand by betting 20K. Yeah. I want to talk about the sizing a little bit. Um, and something is going to happen because we haven't gotten to the why this is a breakdown hand yet. So yeah. obviously something interesting is about to happen. You can probably guess what it is because there's only one really yeah. interesting thing. Maybe two. But um, so he bets 20K because he's, he's trying to target a particular range of hands to call. Him. Yeah. Doesn't this seem like super face up and like problematic? Like why would pocket sixes call? I guess you could be a slave to the math. Yeah. Call. But as soon as you get to know your opponent at all, you know if you can call here or not. It's not think. problematic if Chow can be balanced and have trips yes. in his range. He can have trips in his range. What yeah, so he doesn't only have weak value. He can have trips. Ah, okay. And, he, and then he has to, of course, have bluffs in there too. Right. But Why wouldn't we just bet more, though, to like, if we're bluffing? You know, I, I just, I just, if we have some bluffs and we have some trips, would it be better to have a bigger uniform size than to go the smaller size? Probably. It just feels like it's, it's too easy to make decisions against. If we're like considering folding eights and sevens here, maybe we wouldn't. Maybe we're calling with those. Maybe. But those are also just like one pip down. Yeah. So, like, it's not great. I guess I guess other 10s. Maybe he's targeting other 10s. I mean, I think, like we said, I think Chow is just a rich guy, yeah. right? So I think he's doing... He understands poker to the point that he, he, he figured out that, like, to get called by a worse hand is going to be a difficult task. So what do I do to get called by a worse hand that's now a difficult task? Well, I bet small because the worse hand yes. will, can pay less than the better hand. I mean... Uh, We've all been in the place where you're on the other side of that bet, and you're like, well, it is really... I am getting yeah. four and a half to one. Right. I don't have to be right very often. You put the call in. There are players who do that absolutely, and I've been that guy. Sure. For sure. So maybe this, maybe this is fine, and it's going to work anyway. I just worry about these kinds of decisions where... like when we, And I, I know you've, you've brought this up before in the past, where sometimes I'm saying, you know, you can make this play because the sizing seems to betray this. You're like, well, Ike Haxon isn't going to just have yeah. sizing with that one kind of a thing. Um, and yet all the good players seem to react to sizing pretty strongly because they know where the, the ranges are weighted towards, so even against other good players, I think. Like, smaller sizing is generally, generally weighted towards the more medium-strength hands. Bigger sizing is generally weighted towards the more polarizing hands. I wonder if this is all wrong. If Maybe. this just isn't how it should be done. I'm just wondering. So what do you think uh, checking is the best course of action for Chow? Check, check calling? Check call makes so much more sense to me than a bet here. Yeah. Like, I'm just not, I'm really worried about getting value. Of, if, if he turns over pocket ace, maybe we're like, eh, maybe we could have gotten value from that. Uh, if he has a 10, 
He might bet the 10 anyway, a worse 10. He might yeah. bet it. Like, why would he think a 10 isn't good here? We look like we have pocket sixes. I think he's betting most of his worst 10s on the turn. A lot of them turn to straight draw and have no showdown King value. King 10 and Jack 10. Yeah, yeah and right. eight, even uh, 8 10. So it'd just be Ace 10, which is chopping with this anyway. Yeah. yeah. So who cares about that one? Um, if we check, our pocket eight's going to bet? No. Is Jack 10 going to bet? Maybe. Okay, Jack 10 and pocket eight is really close to each other, but fair enough. Uh, in but terms of but again, I think, he's, I think Pantling's betting Jack 10 on the turn a lot. Right. Of course he is. Of yeah. course he is. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, yeah, I just want to check because it feels like I don't know how I get value either way. I think but I want to check. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, by checking, maybe Pantling will take a shot with some weird blow. Exactly. Like, hopefully he just puts us on still ace high instead of something that turned into a pair. And he's like, okay, I have seven high. I took my shot. It didn't work. But he checked again and again. So I'll take a shot now. I mean, I'm going to try and fill out pocket sevens. Like yeah. A queen and a ten came. Like, I can have those things. Right. Sure, why not? Yeah. Let's fill out pocket sevens. Yeah, I like a check better. Yeah, let's induce a bluff. Well, instead, Chow best 20K. He's clearly just trying to target, like, a, a small pocket pair or maybe an ace high. Mm-hmm. It feels like a blocker bet. I mean. It is. Yeah. Should Pantling consider raising? I think he should. Because Chow's only hands that beat Pantling are mostly queens that are king-queen, right? Like, I mean, nines, trip nines. Maybe. Yeah, but he doesn't play it like this all the time. He's going to check-raise the flop with some frequency with trip He's nines. He's going to check-call the flop a lot. Yeah, I suppose. Like a lot. But he, like we said, he doesn't have that many nines in his range. He doesn't. He has eight nine suited, nine ten suited, and ace nine suited, maybe exclusively. Yeah, he might have a few others. Maybe he's got jack nine suited. Maybe he's got nine seven suited, but still, it's not very many. Yeah. And they're all suited. Right. I think it's possible that Pantling reads also into Chow's sizing as like accurately. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you have like eights or you have a ten. Like right. you you don't love your hand and you're trying to get called by a weak hand. So I have a better hand than that. It's a free roll for me to raise. That's what I think he's thinking. I think that's a pretty reasonable thing to think. Yep. Um, the question, of course, is can we get value when we raise? We've, by the way, we've seen Jason Kuhn do this in a disaster. Oh, yeah, against disaster. Uh, John Duffy. Yeah, that's right, where he made this kind of a play and it really backfired on him. Yep. Um, John Duffy, I think, river or whatever, he had, had, had the flesh, right? Had the I think he had trips. He had ace three, and I think he had trips. Oh, yeah. And, and he had like three bet or called a three bet pre flop yeah. in a position where you would never expect ace three to Kuhn be. Kuhn had ace king, and it was a king high board yeah. in the end with two threes on there yeah. also. Yeah. And Duffy just got, got the big raise out of Kuhn, and yep. yeah, it went very poorly for Jason there. So, all this to say that it doesn't always work out the way you'd want it to. It's not always actually a free roll, even when it seems like it is, right? Yeah. Now, so Paling is going to do this, first of all. Yeah. Right? This is a breakdown here. Of course, he's going to do something fancy. So here we are. He's going to raise to 50K. One of the things I like about this is his sizing is such that it's not that different than a normal river bet anyway. It's right. almost like that's not enough for my, the strength of my hand, and it's just one bet on it's the It's kind river. of like he's ignoring it exists. Yes. He's like, you checked. Right. This I'm going to put in what the actual bet would be. Yeah. You do whatever you want. Yeah. If I have to fold, I have to fold. If you have beat me, you beat me. Beyond that, I think Pantling is kind of playing this guy like a fiddle. Like... You have to fold if you're Chow. Oh, my you God. You 100% have to. So Pantling has to, like, and Pantling probably knows that if he were in Chow's seat and saw this line, of course, any hand that he would be targeting with Queen Jack would fold. Yes. Because, of course, you're losing when he gives you this price. <laughs> yeah, of course you are. Like, you have to be. He didn't make it 120000 yeah. when you made it twenty. He made it 50000 Like, of course. He's you like, can have a nine. Of course he's got this you. This is almost insulting by Andrew Pantling. He's like, you are an amateur 
It's, it's not insulting because it's what he has to do, right? Like, he's like, I recognize that as an amateur, you are trying to eke a little bit of value out. I'm going to give you a price that you can't say no to because you're an amateur. If I made it 100K, you would fold. I mean, like, I think this is like we were talking about before. Pantling is playing to the population here. Yeah. Like, he's like, you guys are all calling stations, or at least a lot of you, and I'm going to act like you are and get value from you in ways I wouldn't be able well, to get otherwise. True calling, That's my edge. If he thinks Chow is a true calling station, you should raise bigger. Um, okay, fair enough. But like, David Peters ain't calling here, right? David Peters ain't leading here, but he certainly ain't calling. David Peters race. isn't playing the hand this way, of course. But of course, yeah. but I'm but I'm saying if somehow David Peters got teleported into the seat on the river after the bet had been made of twenty k and the raises, and he's comfortably throwing his hand away, or by the way, re raising, he ain't ever calling, right? Right? Probably just folding though. I would guess he's almost always folding. Um, he'd be like, I block ten nine. Are you kidding? Of course I'm raising. Yeah, <laughs> I have a full house here a lot, man. Uh. So, but the point is, yeah, like, if you think this guy's a calling station, you try and, you try and eke out value in, play, in ways you can't against better players. Right? Yeah. This is why we play. One of the reasons why we play, right? Like, oh, the field is weaker. This, it can't just be that they're weaker. You have to do things to successfully... Sometimes they just give you other chips. It doesn't matter. I mean, I them being weaker is enough. Yeah. You know? but, but, like, making exploitative plays against that weakness is even better. Right. I just all. like this... I just want to circle back to this 50k raise. It's it's an absolute joke. Like, yeah. it, of course he he has like exactly the type of hand that he has, and he's trying to eke out value. Like, almost always. He never has jack ten for this raise. He never has king ten for this raise. No. Even if he somehow checked the turn with those hands, he's never raising those hands. Right. Because you can have a queen. You could you could have a nine. Like, this is such a perfect this job is just, by paling against the support. This feels like I'm playing like a, a local noon tournament. Yes. And it's like, I am the better player and I'm going to do the yep. thing that is easy for me to do. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, I know you know what this is like. Yeah. It feels like the Matrix a little bit where, where Keanu stops the bullets in the right. air. Just like, I see everything that's actually happening here. I know what level you're on and I'm almost always right when I make this play. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, right, I'm right such a weird percentage of the time and you're going to pay me off way too much. Yeah. This is just an amazing This is spot. just pure yeah. classic exploit. Yeah. He's just, Pantling's the better player, and he's, he's exploiting perfectly. Yep. It's cool. It's very cool. And, of course, Chow calls. Oh, why, right. Why, Chow why, calls. Right. Like, and you can't call, obviously. No, there's no call here. Like, you can raise. Raising is a baller play, actually. That's a Raising good... is pretty interesting, which you can, like, we really block 10-9 pretty hardcore. Yeah. It's, a, it's pretty sweet. We also block 10s full, which Pantling might play this way. We do. Um, Pantling kind of never has queen-queen, never has a nine himself. Yeah. Right? He's always betting those things on the turn, I think. He might check queen-queen. Well, to get value out of trip nines, though, he probably bets it to try and play a big Yeah, high. maybe he, uh, when, when we're this deep, I guess you're probably right. I think it's like too good a hand. So it's really 10-10 that we're worried about as far as full houses. There's one combo. Yeah. This is kind of an ideal. If the ace is like, actually, we block pocket aces. Not that, I don't even know if pocket aces are calling a, probably aren't calling a three bet anyway, but we do block those two. But they're at least a candidate to call a three bet. Yeah, we block ace nine. Yeah. I mean, we block things that we want to block. This this is if anything this is a raise maybe maybe yeah. this is a good raise I, I think it, I think it would be a cool play to raise this yeah Chow, but instead he's at the level that Pantling suspected right yeah and makes the call I wonder if Pantling is sizing if Pantling had a monster if somehow Pantling actually uh, river tens full he is the last combo yeah of it uh, is he still going to make it fifty k or is he going to go bigger just in case Chow has a nine yeah so just in case Chow's going to like, he's got such a big hand, he wants to really get paid I for it. I think maybe you don't go bigger. Because I think if you make it 50K, Chow might raise a nine anyway. Like, he might... Like, three bet a nine? Yeah. Wow. 
Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know that. I mean, maybe, maybe Chow would. He's, he's an amateur. Maybe he would. Um, that seems like optimistic. Yeah, you're right. To get called? What are you going to get called by? Yeah. The thing is, though, I think you might still go with the same sizing because Chow's line is so transparent. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Well, if that's true, then it's a little bit harder anyway for Chow to make the raise with Ace-10. I was wondering if Pantling basically always has, when he's got queens full or tens full or something like that or whatever, some weird slow-played hand, whatever, some monster, if he's always going to go bigger on the river. Because if he is, that makes the three-bet even Ah, easier. I see. Probably, probably, probably Pantling's not going to be that transparent, but I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. He's just a pant air, air. You know, he's a pant air. Pant air. Pant air. It's not a weird thing to say. No, he's it's just a normal a thing air. to say. Pant air. So pant neither, air. I, I imagine neither of these guys cashed. I I don't remember uh, them cashing. I believe, I believe neither of them cashed. Yeah. I know. I know. Pantling did not. And uh, there's no Hendon for the other guys. So right. I'm gonna say no. The solver is gonna be interesting on this one because it yeah. feels like this is all such pure exploit that the solver is gonna be like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. With it feels like exploit. That. Well, so let's, let's take a look. Yeah. All right, it's solver time. This was work done by Danny Sprung. On the flop, let's talk about Mr. Pantling and okay. the Pants dynasty that he brings with him. Um, wants to bet his actual hand 81% of the time. Makes perfect sense to us, as yeah. those who listen to know. Um, the call seems rudimentary. We didn't even really look at the solver for that, but that's fine. Uh, for Chow on the flop, ace-10, mm-hmm. pretty simple call. Yeah. On the turn... Pantling bets 65% of the time with his actual hand. We really liked the check back on the turn when the queen came. Um, I suppose the solver is, is looking for value balance and needs I, to include this in the range. I mean, if we're not betting top pair, but we are betting a lot of bluffs, the solver probably hates yeah. that. So it's like we have to find some value. It makes sense that this would be one of those hands. Ultimately, this, this hand might be one of the least valuable for use of the solver that we've yes. done with the solver because it feels like pure exploit throughout mm-hmm. from Pantling's perspective Agreed. at least. Um, but yes, yeah, so he wants Pantling to bet 65% of the time with his actual hand. Of course, he checks back. So I, I will say, though, just because it feels like pure exploit, does it, like we get to see if it is. Yeah. You know, we get to like compare it to something. So True. it's really useful. True. Um, the river is kind of interesting in that the solver always wants to raise Pantling's hand yes. after Chow bets. When it bets that side. It felt like kind of a fancy play rather than an always do this type of play, right? Yeah, but with that 20K bet, it's like you got to raise, right. man. Speaking of... The size, it wants to go bigger than Pantling went. It wants to 4X it rather than 2.5X it. Of course, this is not the solver playing exploit against a guy who Pantling has decided is price sensitive, you know, is probably what's going on here. Well, he's, he's I'm thinking, putting him on a 10 or some small medium pair spot, a marginal hand, and saying, I'm just going to price you in and force you to call. And 80K is not going to do that probably correctly, right? Because... His approach because Chow isn't going to call with the right balance of hand, so he isn't so he's got you know a minimum defense frequency or anything like that. He's just going to fold a lot. We think he should fold this. Yep, we do. We actually that that was our strongest thought in the hand was that Chow should fold this hand. Yeah, or or three bet it. Oh my god, yeah. But uh, but the solver is completely indifferent. It's totally fine with a call for for Chow. Mm-hmm. It so, says it calls about two thirds of the time, but I think it's in terms of the indifferent in terms of the expected value. Yes, right? of uh, like a raise or a fold. I think in practice, as we're saying, like someone raises to this size on the river and with this action, like as we're saying the whole way through, this is this can't be a call against anyone who knows. And if they know nothing about poker, you can call. Otherwise, what the hell? Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it home.